It's go time. Hey, babe. How are you doing? Good. Welcome back to yeah. another... Beyond the Desk. Beyond the Desk. Yeah. This Both of fun. us are beyond the desk right now. I'm over here um, at the table and you're over on the couch. Yeah. Hi. Today, Chad, we are going to have three different topics again. And typically, you don't really know what these are, right? Or maybe you have a glance over or something. But, okay. Like, like what I know is um, kind of like a whisper. It's not actually like knowing the full, you know, if yeah. I overheard some phrasing in the background, that's it's about as much as I know. Cool. But I have, I have some suspicions. The suspicions. Did I say that right? Suspicions. So the three topics today are from the U.S. to Colombia. Mastering the art of travel finance, which we haven't clearly, but we're working on it. That's part of the journey, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And embracing remote work and roaming. So how have we adjusted from that? And we'll get into that um, at the end there. So for everybody that's listening, Chad took a trip last week. And it happened fairly quickly, which we were surprised. So, Chad, if you would like to tell everybody where you went, kind of what happened, your journey, and uh, put in some details for us. Everything we've been told so far is that um, America's very grind, quick, instant result, and that we should expect with the culture change with Colombia, sure. not for that, for things to be kind of lax and a little less structured and um, to be patient. Lots of patience. So to have, to have an email go out to the Colombian consulate mm -hmm. and then essentially that email said, um, we set an appointment for you for next week, Thursday. I was a little surprised. I wasn't able to make that next week, Thursday, but we scheduled it again because I have to go to Washington, D.C., right? This isn't go to downtown Detroit 20 minutes from now. It's kind of rearrange your life and figure out how you're going to get here at a specific time in a whole different state. How many Colombian consulates are throughout the United States? There's about a dozen. I don't know the okay. exact number. Somewhere between 8 and 12. Um, our two closest are Washington, D.C. and then Chicago. Yeah. So we sat down and we talked, uh, do we switch everything over to Chicago or do we just do DC? And when we asked them, they told us that because we started the process with DC, that I would have to start that process over with Chicago. And frankly, what they were doing was phenomenal. I felt right. like super responses, my response of my chances of that being the same thing somewhere else. Um, let's not take the risk. So I went ahead and said, you know what, let's do an appointment for the week after. I looked at flights on Delta. I found a way for me to get a flight out there in the morning and then a flight back same day in the evening. First time ever doing just a quick turnaround like that. So that was that's an interesting story all in itself. Um, and they were able to accommodate an appointment that fit within that gap. Uh, so Tuesday, I went... Uh, you drove me to the airport. We woke up at 4.30 in the morning. Yep. <laughs> um, got there. My flight departed 7.40-ish. Mm -hmm. uh, got there. My appointment was at 11.30. So got to the airport, uh, took an Uber from the airport to the consulate. And if you've ever done Uber, 
from an airport, there's a lot of fees with the airport part. Yeah, so it's not really the genuine amount that it actually costs. Um, so I took an Uber and got to the consulate an hour early, um, walked in, didn't speak Spanish. Everybody else did. <laughs> um, and they, we figured it out and I went upstairs to uh, wait in line. It's kind of like being at the DMV. There's a bunch of chairs. There's a couple of places where they take pictures. So to kind of paint the picture. I get dropped off at this building and this building in Washington, D.C. is next door to a couple of other consulates. So it's kind of like consulate district. And they've got like a, a glass awning. So it's not like an functional on it but it's a glass on it like modern kind of modern looking um the door's locked so you have to buzz to come in you go in through the double doors you check in with the folks they start talking spanish to you you can't understand them um i pull out my passports and i tell them what i'm there for luckily there's a guy there that does speak english and they got me checked in and they sent me up like in america if you had an appointment at 11 30 you'd have to wait they just sent me right up an hour early. So I go upstairs, I approach one of the windows, and there's probably five chairs across, four rows deep. So about, there's room for about 20 people. Um, and while I'm there, there's a family to my left, a woman, a man, and one child. There's two women up front. And everybody's there for various reasons, but they're all talking, speaking in Spanish, and I'm not sure what's going on. So I walk up to one of the windows and I, um, I, I talk to them and I say, Hey, listen, I'm here for this, that, the other. And, um, they said, well, normally this is a three visit process, Pro visit one birth certificate, visit two, uh, is going to be your ID, your Colombian ID and visit three is your passport. And I'm immediately starting to get a little anxiety because I wasn't planning on having to fly to DC three times. Right. That's um, a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of time investment. There's a lot of moving pieces to doing three different visits. So uh, the good news is they call me back. They call me Everth because I'm in Colombia. I have a different name than I do in America. Um, so I didn't answer the first couple of times. And then I figured out it was me that they're talking to because there's only four other, there's only four other people there. It took me a minute to figure out that was me. And then I go back with the guy and he, he speaks perfect English. Which Everett is, Chara. Everett Chara, yeah. He speaks perfect English and he um, explains to me, okay, so you already have your birth certificate, a copy of, but nonetheless enough to verify that I am in fact myself. That they emailed to you or did they give you a copy while you were there? Because we didn't have your original birth certificate here. No, so I have a copy of my certificate of a birth certificate from Colombia yes. with a letter from America attached to it saying, we verify this is in fact the birth certificate, but it looks different than the actual birth certificate. So it's not just because it's a copy, it's a issue of mm -hmm. the birth certificate. That's what I have. It was okay. enough that they were able to look me up and say, yes, we found your actual birth certificate. It matches the info. You are who you say you are. So I didn't have to go through step one of getting a birth certificate. What I had was sufficient. Great news. There's Check one. Check that up, right? One visit to um, He says, so today what we're going to do is get you uh, set up for your Colombian ID. And then when we're finished with that, we'll process everything for your passport. 
And so what was supposed to be three visits turned into a single visit taking care of everything that I need to take care Beautiful. of. Beautiful. Great news. So we're going through uh, all the process, everything. There's a screen facing me. Everything is in Spanish and I'm confirming stuff with him. Um, but he's he's letting me know what it is. You know, what it says, what we're talking about. Awesome. Um, and then we get through all of the ID and he prints my ID there on the spot. It's a temporary ID. I have to, I have to get the official, official one, but it looks identical, high quality print. It's got the watermark and everything on it. So I have in my possession now a photocopy of my Colombian ID, which means I am officially a citizen. And then once I receive my passport, I will officially have the ability to travel into as a citizen. Right. So when it comes to next steps, here's how the process goes for that. Got my ID. Then we do a whole other cycle of questions and fill in the blanks and translations. And this one is for the passport. And we complete that. So in total, from the time I've arrived, checked in, gone upstairs, waited in line, talked to somebody really poorly, and then got into the seat. 10 minutes. Now I'm in the seat and we're going through this entire process of Q&A, 15 minutes. So in total, I've invested less than a half an hour so far in time being there, and I have my ID completed and I have my passport completed. But because I don't want to have to go back there, sure. if, if possible, you do have to pick up your ID mm -hmm. from a consulate that does not get mailed you have to pick that up in person but they allow me to pick it up from a different one so we love chicago i think we mentioned that in our last uh yes last one if not we've talked about it and we will continue to talk about it i asked if i could pick up in chicago and i can so what will happen is columbia the country will send my id to the consulate in chicago it takes about two to three months so we're hoping by december we should be able to get my plan a trip to go to chicago and get sure. my id and then I had to go to the local post office, pick up a priority mail envelope, and that's what they will ship my passport directly to me in. So now that I've completed my first half hour of paperwork, I then go get lunch. I call you, tell you, I'm done. That's it. All I have to do is go get an envelope for them to ship my stuff back, um, grab some lunch, go to the post office, $10.40, get an envelope that's verified, certified, has all the tracking info. Um, drop that off, sign a form that says I agree that if it's lost, it's not their fault. And um, that's it. I'm done. I'm done by one thirty in the afternoon. And so, home by 7.30. I think I picked you up that evening. Home so. by 7.30. Yeah. Um, I had a whole bunch of extra time. I wasn't to the airport where I could have jumped an earlier flight. Uh, so I found a place, sat down, did a whole bunch of work, started working on, not working on, I was actually doing a lot of Working remote. Education of myself, working remote. Yeah. Caught up on all that stuff, but I also was doing some research around child sex abuse and Michigan's laws and, you know, the stuff that you dive into so deeply. It was disturbing, but that's a whole different, it's a whole different camera. For the listeners, I have a nonprofit called A Courageous Voice. So, um, and we work to keep children safe both off and online. And so Chad was digging deep into Aaron's law for me. So that's what he was doing at the airport. So our first episode launched, yeah. and as as bonkers as it sounds, I haven't actually told my family yet mm. that I've been pursuing this, right. and I have a reason. I I really 
wanted to make sure this wasn't too good to be true. I wanted to have it tangible in my hands. Um, honestly, I have my ID in my hands. I have an ID number. I've been certified for everything. I think I can probably tell them now because the reality is it is official. I may not have the passport book, but it's official. You are a Colombian citizen now. Yeah. 40 years later or 38 years later because you were two when you came over, right? Right. That's incredible. I think I am way more excited than you are over all of this. I just think it's the neatest thing ever. I'm excited. I'm excited in my own way. I definitely process things differently. Um, Will you call me a whirlwind? (laughs) Yeah. That's how I. (laughs) My Tasmanian devil, yeah. Yeah. Um, the way that I process things is I internalize them first, apply logic, and then I have my emotion-driven response, assuming that all the pieces fell into place on the logic. I'm the opposite. And so I think I'm actually still processing the facts sure. of it. And then um, pretty shortly here, and it's been coming up a little bit over the last couple of days, where I'm, it's becoming surreal. Uh, and sitting here looking at you just bursting and smiling to me that's it's real and it's time for me to show my family so the whole process in total less than a day and part of it is not just documentary journey but helping our listeners and potentially future listeners understand the process and what we go through because they're not they're not typically going to be Colombian citizens, right? Or wherever they might want to live part-time. So they have to go through a whole visa process where I will have to go through a visa process as well, because just because we're married doesn't mean that I'm automatically a citizen either. So we'll get into that. Um, You'll have to take the test. I I didn't have to take a test. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The test is in Spanish. (laughs) It is in Spanish. I'm taking Spanish. So that's something that you will need to to start. And speaking of that, I, I did watch something this morning that really threw me off guard. Babe, there was a two people. Uh, the gentleman is from the States. His girlfriend is from Colombia. And they are in Medellin. And they are looking at apartments to purchase, right? Because in Medellin, it's typically high-rises. Everywhere high-rises. Uh, beautiful, modern buildings, apartments, gorgeous. And they're with a Colombian um, owner. And the American guy, his, his Spanish is really not good at all, which creates a huge barrier automatically, right? You don't know if what's coming out of your mouth is correct. Thank goodness, you know, his girlfriend was there with him because he said something asking a question and the the landlord uh the owner he basically in spanish said to the guy from the states i don't understand your shitty spanish and i kind of saw the guy you know it kind of took him aback a little bit and his girlfriend kind of popped in uh with the very kind paisa culture that they have there. Typically, obviously, this guy wasn't being very kind. Oh, and he called him a gringo, which a gringo is not a bad word. It just means um, foreigner in Spanish. And that's what we're called, those of us from the States. 
And so that threw me a little bit. So uh, Spanish is definitely necessary for us and to continue to get better and better and better. For for sure. And I've had my first substantial experience working with officials and feeling their vibes of me not. So Mm -hmm. um, granted where I was, every single person up there spoke English and they spoke it well. That just, they made me earn the right to hear English first. Right. Um, And that's fair. Listen, that's, that's, you know, their country we're going in and it's, uh, we need to be respectful of that. Um, but it is a process on our end. Uh, but I, I think I understood where the gentleman was coming from, you know, um, who knows, you know, what had happened to him previously by somebody from that, that wasn't Colombian, sure. right? We don't know the whole story around that, but he was clearly irritated uh, with the gentleman not understanding the language. So um, we're going to have to move on okay, really I want to go over just pricing really quick of what everything that's been invested so far. Oh, the pl- yes. So um, start to finish. So we had uh, my plane ticket. Um, I, I paid with points, so my actual financial investment was like 12 bucks for the taxes. But uh, that ticket would have been uh, $450 for a round trip. Mm-hmm. So $450 will count for dollars. Our actual investment was less because we pay with credit cards and accumulate points and are able to pay with those points. Uh, so, uh, the Uber, okay, I also picked up two bottles of water once I was in the airport because hydration is something that I try to do. I try to stay right. hydrated. So I picked up two bottles of water, 11 bucks because they're just absolutely rip off inside the airport. Um, I did not eat at our airport at Detroit. It was super early. Um, next one was, oh, and then uh, an Uber. I got a, I got a little bit of food on the on the flight, um, not a full meal because it was a short flight, but I got some snacks. Um, an Uber, so the Uber from the airport to the consulate was fifty six dollars. Uh, about fifteen of that was all fees for airport and DC tax and whatnot. Um, so if you were doing a normal fifty minute drive like that, it would be substantially less, but it was, um, you know, it's about fifty five dollars each direction. Uh, as I mentioned before, the envelope so that they can ship it directly here, my passport, that was um, 11 or 10, 1040. So, you know, 10 bucks. Uh, my passport fee itself. Okay, so my ID fee, there was no ID fee. For my passport fee, it was $94, which I don't know if you've gotten a passport in the US, but it's substantially more than the US. Yeah, it is. 160. Yeah. And that's not. I mean, there's emergency awards or whatever. That's just your standard one. So, um, you know, $94 for my passport. Um, Lunch, I grabbed a sandwich, uh, a burger. That was like $17 for a burger and fries. Um, I was just on another podcast for Massage Core Academy, another business we have. And I was talking with my partner. I said, I was all frustrated. I was talking about massage therapists. They need to get their heads out of their butt and they need to focus on the fact that they need to grow their business, stop investing. In Anyways, the burger thing came up of how you're not spending $7 on a burger anymore. You have to be able to account for more of your expenses than just what you think it should be, but what it actually is, right? Inflation is just tough right now. Anyway, so 17 bucks for a burger at Shake Shack. Um, we were back, talked about that. It's about $54. So they ended up being about 55 average each. Um, I did go to, cause I had a four and a half hour 
time between getting to the airport to when my flight left. So I ate again and I got a beer, 40 something dollars. So obviously that's avoidable. You can do it in your own way. Uh, but airports, if you can avoid spending money in an airport, do that. Um, there's certain things you can and cannot pack. Uh, so check out the rules of your airline of what you're allowed to do. And TSA, of course, if you're in the U.S. But there are ways to avoid that. I mean, families with children, they travel with snacks all the time. But they, there's regulations on how you can do that. So right. definitely avoid, in my case, probably right around $60 in costs at the airport between the water and the food by packing your own, having a canteen that you can fill at the airport mm -hmm. rather than buy water. Refillable water bottle, sure. Yep. Um, so there are ways to mitigate those costs, but all in, 12 bucks plus 100 in travel plus, uh, you know, we'll call it 60 in food. Oh, plus Shake Shack, so 75. Like less than 300 bucks I was able to get there, back get okay. all my paperwork and everything squared away. Um, and at this point, our next thing is just traveling to Chicago, which we'll just make a trip of it. Stay yeah. there for a weekend or whatever. Take or Sadie. Take our dog, find a dog yeah. friendly um, hotel to stay in. Right. That keeps us from having to pay a sitter. And um, outside of that, that's our expenses because the other one will be mailed here. So, right. And we're going to, we are tracking all of this. That actually moves us into the second topic is, uh, you know, mastering the art of, of travel finance, which uh, I think you did really well. It is very expensive here in the States for an Uber, especially anything uh, to and from the airport. And then any food or anything that you purchase at the airport is also incredibly expensive. And just living in the States, period, you know, it's just really expensive. I spent over $200 at the grocery store today and the cart was half full. There's nothing wrong with spending the money. It's just... You have to equate it to value. Is that, is that what is valuable to you? Or would you rather invest that money into something that is experiences? And that was valuable for you to go and get, get that taken care of. Eating at Shake Shack probably could have found someplace cheaper to eat, right? So there's, there's things you just have to, it was convenient as hell, right? Sure. I could just walk, yeah. I, was, I walked there, it was right where I needed to be. So, you know, but, you know, when you consider... A three hundred dollar investment to be able to live in another country part time. Um, Where you're from? Super high value. Yeah. So, so you, I think, as an individual, as a couple, family, you know, whoever is working to do this, that financial um, savviness that you, it, it really is. It's a, it's whatever is of value to you. That's what's going to matter. So. Uh, and then like we've been looking at what we're spending now and we're also looking at like, what is our goal, Chad? So is it saving for early retirement? Is it just a lower cost of living uh, that's going to enable us to do more or is it all of it? We touched on this briefly last time, I believe. And um, so last time we ran into a technical error, so we actually recorded two podcasts, one worked, one didn't. Yeah. So I, so I might be remembering something that wasn't in the published take versus what was. So correct me if I'm, I've already repeated myself, but, um, you know, we, we did, we did talk about some of these things and, you know, one of the things that we invested in was a VPN. Mm -hmm. 
which yes. is a virtual private network. And what that allows us to do is watch US-based shows, operate on US-based servers, but do that abroad. It cost me $19, period. Most VPNs you spend on a monthly basis, I found a deal. So there are ways to don't just buy the first version of what you think you need. Research. Do a little bit of research around sure. it. It's worth the time investment to save yourself dollars later. So we spent $19, Amy's phone, my phone, and a portable router that we'll take with us that will then plug into the Ethernet there will allow us to use all our devices, be it Apple TV or our laptops, and have access to our servers here in the U.S. Most people use it so they can watch U.S.-based Netflix, right? But we'll use it so that I can access servers for work right. without issue, without mm -hmm. being blocked, because there's a lot of countries that block access to U.S.-based certain servers. True. So small things like that you can you can invest in and they go for the long haul. Yeah, this is great. Is there anything else that you think we're going to have to do uh, within the next six months? Because technically this is a year out for us, a little over a year. November of 2024 is when we plan on doing this for about five months. So the question is plan for retirement. Um, Listen, I, I believe that we're doing things slightly different where we're going to be setting up recurring revenue streams so that our retirement is essentially ongoing. Our retirement sure. starts now. And that kind of is our beyond the desk. What does our life look like after work? But we're going to be setting up things now that fund our future, right? It's not just about save a whole bunch of money so that we can live off that. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. And we can do that as well. If we get our revenue streams up to a certain amount where it's above our cost of living, now we're also contributing to our savings. But Absolutely. I think our goal, our focus is slightly different where we are setting up revenue streams so that we don't have to save, mm -hmm. so that they continue to fund our future. Yeah. And as our future changes, you know, yes, Columbia is significantly less expensive, so technically more bang for our buck. But that doesn't mean we can't still invest in U.S.-based items like having properties here or having right. properties there. And that requires influxes of cash. So, yes, we're funding our future, but we're also going to be having a savings so that we can double down and invest in, in other ways as well, diversify right. that. Yeah, and the Colombian peso currently, well, the last time I looked, it was at uh, 3900 to one American dollar. Yeah, you got 3,900 up here. So that's uh, that's pretty significant uh, savings there. What cost you $17 for whatever it was that you got at the airport would have probably cost three or $4 in Colombia. Yeah, yeah, and it's not so just the peso to dollar ratio, it's also the value of what that item is. So um, a really good example of that might be if we were to purchase a laptop here, the inflation of what the U.S. requires to pay so many heads. You got your salespeople and your marketing teams. In Colombia, there's a lot of that that just doesn't exist. You're not going to have this enterprise marketing team to get it out right. there. You're not going to have all these franchise because the infrastructure is just different. So that same laptop that costs you $999 might be $300 there. Yeah. Same not, thing, but there aren't- electronics, babe. The electronics, um, from my understanding, is more. Okay, equate that to food. Right, yeah, yeah, because of the export, uh, import-export 
Okay. So, fair enough. so if you equate that same formula to food, um, it's not that eggs are any different. It's right. just there's less mouths to feed, therefore less overhead. And the infrastructure is a little bit different. So it just doesn't cost as much to operate yeah. there as it does here. I will say like to get a SIM card there, I think you can get plans for like $10 a month. It is so crazy cheap compared to the States in so many ways, except for the electronics uh, and their taxes, what their sales taxes, 30, was it 39% or something like that? It's kind of high, but then they have public health care available, you know, for the, the residents that live there. So we can also obtain private health insurance as well. And that could be anywhere from a hundred to $150 per person. So it's, that's so much cheaper also. Just another example of, um, you know, when we're, Comparing the two, if you were to go to healthcare.gov and do a quote, um, you're you're going to be at anywhere from probably five hundred dollars to seven hundred fifty dollars for health insurance on a monthly basis, where you can get that um, you know healthcare for would you say one hundred fifty to two hundred? Yeah, I yeah. Mean, for you and I, difference. yeah, it would cost anywhere um, between eight hundred and a thousand dollars a month. You know here in the States for, you know, a couple. So we don't have much time left. So I want to quickly go to remote work and roaming. Um, you made the shift in January from that nine to five job. I have been working from home now for a, going on a year and a half, really with a courageous voice. Although I work out in the community, uh, if I, you know, I just, my office is here at home. So how has this changed for you? And I'm, I'm really glad that everything happened the way it did because now you have all of this experience and a routine and a schedule, if you will, so that it's not something that you're, you're going to have to work at, create for yourself and try to get used to. Like we are already doing this. Yeah, being an ADHD brain, having structure and schedules and um, consistency is... Super important to me. I mean, without it, I tend to um, get lost uh, just off for the day. There's our timer. What was our um, timer? So for me, yes, having nine, 10 months of experience into creating new routines and yeah. understanding that it's okay to start my day at eight, but it's also okay to start at 10. As long as I'm putting in the work, I'm doing right by my clients. So yeah, it's um, I'm ready for it. I've my previous position was in marketing, and so I was traveling already, going to different you know states and locations. So I already had a taste of it, but even then, living out of a suitcase was very difficult for me to maintain structure. Right. Um, so I got a small taste on that, but we won't be living out of suitcases. So that difficult part is kind of eliminated. Right. Um, and all of my clients know and are aware that I'm that I am remote that I don't have a particular office that I can work from anywhere. So I've already done a lot of the checklist items that you have to do when it comes to being um, a digital nomad and you know um, roaming from place to place. And you know that's the journey. But with like I said in the beginning, as an ADHD brain, things are a little bit different. Not that you know neurotypical brains don't have their own struggles, but I can speak for mine. And my struggles are, if I don't have my coffee the right way, I can be askew for the entire day. 
That is so true. I, I live this with you every day. And for me, working remote is beautiful. I'm also looking at uh, doing some additional work uh, besides my nonprofit because working a nonprofit with just one person, we're almost four years old and it's just been me hoping to be able to pull somebody else in to at least start working part-time to run the operations of the organization, which will free me up to speak and um, to, to do the things, to help find the funding, things like that. But I would be able to work more remote with something like that. So that is, uh, that's been a challenge for me, learning something new outside of running the organization. And I'll continue to, to learn and grow with that. But Chad, what is it that you do? So I do website design and small business consulting. I've worked with medium-sized businesses, but really what I like doing is focusing on the business owner who's financially invested into their business, being having access to them. Because when it comes time to um, have mindset shifts, um, they're the ones that have to do that. Right. And I can help coach them through what that looks like. But if I'm in a medium or large business and I'm working through a board, I'm not really getting the person who's invested. So it sometimes it turns into that game of telephone. So I love working with solopreneurs and, and um, you know, very small businesses, like 10 people within a business and smaller. Um, and what we do is we break down the foundation that currently exists and put together a new one. Um, just like it, it's, it's no different. If you, you want to continue to grow your business, right? And if you equate that to a house, maybe you're going from a two-story to a three-story. But if your foundation sucks, the whole thing's going to crumble. So you have to have a lot of things in place, mm -hmm. and that all starts with a solid foundation. That's understanding your numbers. There's so many elements to it. But you start with that strong foundation, having a strong uh, website, you know, an yeah. online presence, then you can build a 15-story house and grow, and it's going to be able to sustain and support that. So we do website design. Um, that's uh, at the forefront. I've been doing that since 2003. Do consulting and coaching with uh, clients one-on-one. -on -one and with we've, we have a specific company called Massage Core Academy where um, I do a similar method except we do it as a business partnership so we okay. gain a uh, percentage of their company and then we come in as their operations department so we handle everything that needs to get done for their business um, put all the right things in place show them the blueprint so that they can get to that five-year growth mark within a year or two yeah and being in Colombia, because there's only an hour difference that is a huge benefit for you working remotely because for me, my remote position, I don't really need to to talk to a lot of people. But for you, this is really important. And this is one of the things that we looked at. Spain, six hours in it, difference, and it can be done, right? But we would just be working in the evening, you know, on, on U.S. Yeah, time. totally doable. Just a, right. a little bit different of a, a schedule, but totally doable. Yeah, and that could still end up happening. We don't we don't know, but the beautiful thing here is that we get to be in choice about this. And there's nothing or, or nobody out there dictating to us, you know, how how we need to do this and that's uh that's been a really beautiful thing. We've got these giant stickies all over the house and they're all essentially like uh, vision boards brainstorming and putting things that come through our heads 
onto paper, if you will. Um, and there's stuff all over the place. And there's one before we even talk about this that talks about a beach house. And of course, everybody wants the beach house, right? But here's the thing. We put it down. We wrote it down. And that is not just a goal, but our goals are mandatory. That's what we're going to achieve. Right. And l little did we know that when we were looking at Spain, that some of the most optimal places are actually beach facing when it comes to affordability. It's not like the United States where water real estate is just bonkers expensive and not achievable. It's available for everybody because there is a ton of um, oceanfront. So we have these goals all over the house and we look at them every single day. I mean, one's right outside the bathroom. You have to see it as you walk out. And um, it's just a reminder of what it is we're attempting to achieve and what we're right. going to achieve uh, together. And it's going to take work and we're going to continue to grow our businesses. But um, I think we are putting a solid foundation for our life together yeah. right now. And, and this podcast is, is uh, the documentation, if you will, about this journey and having fun, the ups and the downs, like all of that that we talked about before. Um, and, you know, while we maintain our home base here in Michigan, we're going to travel. We're going to do, we're going to, we're going to look at the, look at the second half of our life and, and make it whatever we want it to be. So, yeah. And with that, we'll close out the podcast. Chad, thanks so much as always, babe. I love you. Love you. See you next time. Yeah. Peace out.